All right, let's pray, shall we? We shall. Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you that we're privileged to get to worship you, that you call us your sons and daughters, that we belong to you, that you wrote your law on our heart. Oh, we're just head over hills in love with you, God. And anyone who's not, just push them forward so they go head over hills. Help them out, God. Uh, Help us to become more like you today. And help us to tame these tongues. In Jesus' name, amen. We're on Power of the Tongue, part 30. <laughs> I was, start of the week, I was like, you know, I think I'm ready to wrap up this. And then I thought of something else. So no, I'm not. Um, but we'll finish up sometime. Oh, next week. I guess I should have announced that earlier for the, all the others working with the kids. But next week, uh, Pinito's going to be here. Anybody remember Pinito? He's a, a, a pastor, maybe, from Africa. Um, yeah, just awesome, on fire, yeah. seen a lot of amazing things. So he's going to come and, and speak to us. Christy said his English has gotten better. Yes. Last time, Dad couldn't under, I was like his interpreter. I'd sit next to him. He said this. He said this. <laughs> so that'll be cool. That's next week. Uh, cultivating the tongue. So I, I mentioned this a tiny bit in one of the previous messages. I remember um, talking about just how we have to be careful about what we watch, what we listen to. And that's all I'm going to be talking about today and how it can affect our tongue. What we watch and what we listen to will eventually come out. It will go into our heart. It will come out of our mouth. And so, in one sense, what comes out of the mouth defiles us, right? That's what Jesus taught. And yet, in another sense, what you feed your senses, what you feed yourself, will inevitably come out and defile you. Whatever you're putting in, whatever you're feeding your spirit, it will eventually come out. So we know from the context when when Jesus talks about... um, not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. Let's go ahead and go to that. Matthew 15, 11. Let's look at the context here. And then 19 through 20. He says, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. And so he's not talking about spiritual things or things you look at coming into you. He was addressing specifically that the Pharisees were judging him, saying that the disciples ate without doing this ritualistic hand washing, something they had added to the law that had to be done. And otherwise, they were actually saying, you're becoming impure, like your spirit's becoming impure because you're eating with unwashed hands. And Jesus was saying, no, that's not how it works. You put food into your mouth, that doesn't make you spiritually impure. Might make us physically impure at times, right? (laughs) Depending on what we put in our mouth. But spiritually impure, he's saying, that's not how it works. But what comes out of your mouth, speaking about our tongue and what we say, he said, that will defile you. As soon as it leaves your lips, it defiles you. Or it's bringing you life, one or the other. You can speak, and it's bringing life to you. This defiles the person. Next, um, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. But we also see that Jesus addresses our actual thought life, and that your thoughts can actually be sinful. And so, hopefully, I've shared this before, to be tempted by a sin, to have a fleeting thought go through your mind that is sinful, you actually didn't sin. That's called a temptation. 
When you dwell on it, then it can become a sin. If you let it out of your mouth, obviously it is a sin. It is immediately defiled you. But also if you meditate on it, it, that's why Paul says we take every thought captive and bring it into subjection, right, to what the word says. And so when we let a thought come, for instance, like you're unworthy, I feel unworthy. If you dwell on that, you're empowering it. If you dwell on it, you are empowering it to be true. You are giving the enemy power. You are defiling yourself, and you are causing unworthiness to come on you because he says you are worthy. So you're supposed to take that thought captive and put it in subjection to what the word says, that you are worthy, that he paid for you, that you've been made righteous, that you've become his, his daughter, his son. Okay, we put it in subjection and recognize I'm worthy to stand before you, Lord. Because of your blood, yes, not by our own standing, but because of your blood. But we take those things and we put them in subjection. And so, where does it talk about our thoughts can actually be a sin? Matthew 5, 27 through 29. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. That could, adultery is an outward action. It's something that can be seen, something that can be known. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's serious business right there. Saying if you look at somebody with lustful intent, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Now, is it wrong for a guy to notice a woman's beautiful body? No, it's not. Do you dwell on it? Do you lust after it? Do you let your mind continue to go there? Then you have fallen into committing adultery in your heart, which is a really serious thing. It's really serious. This is why the the church has to get free of its issues with pornography. No child of God should be hooked on pornography. It is literally looking at someone's body who does not belong to you. You have no permission from God. And as you view it, it becomes actual sin inside of you. And then look what he says. This extreme thing here. Next. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And so he's saying, this is how it starts. It starts with a small thing. You think it's not a big deal to lustfully have that intent in your heart. But put this into any other sin, any other sin. You winning an argument and saying that hurtful thing to that someone and you dwell on it over and over. saying, that's how it starts, It starts in your mind, but God already sees it. And if you don't take it captive and get rid of it, then God sees it and it becomes sin inside of you. And it will eventually lead to our downfall if we're not careful. So I said, get rid of it by any means possible. If you're struggling with overwhelming thoughts of whatever degree of sin, seek help. Ask for someone to pray for you. Get accountable with someone until you get free. Until you get free. So my big question for today is, what are you feeding your spirit? Are you feeding it life or are you feeding it death? What are you feeding into this new creature? We've been made a new creation. We've become saints. What are you feeding that temple? What are you feeding your body? Do you watch things that feed your spirit or things that are feeding flesh? The things that you watch on TV, YouTube, Facebook, the things you read, the things you see with your eyes and take in, are you feeding your spiritual senses or are you feeding fleshly desires? 
fleshly emotions. And this is, this is a message today where we simply need the Holy Spirit to come to speak to us on individual level. We need to hear for ourselves conviction from the Spirit. Because television and music and TV, this is a gray area. It can be used for God's glory or it cannot. But there is not cut and dry things that um, you can't watch this and you can't watch that. Some people, I think you're allowed to watch certain things. And some people, I will, you're not allowed to because the Holy Spirit has convicted you. And when we take our own personal judgments and convictions and place them on someone else, we've run into trouble. Likewise, if someone who feels more free in what they're allowed to watch puts condemnation on other people who feel more restricted by God, rightly so, that's fine. If the Holy Spirit has convicted you of that, what I'm saying is both ways there needs to be understanding and love for one another. Does that make sense? There needs to be understanding and love for one another. Because it's a gray area. If I got up here and said, oh, you know, uh, some people are allowed to lie, some aren't. Now, throw that out. Okay, that, that don't make sense. We're talking, we're talking about cut and dry. That is a sin. We know it. If I say, oh, you know what? It's okay for so-and-so to, to sleep with someone before marriage, but it's not okay for that. No, throw that out. Scripture has clearly revealed to us God's intent there and clearly revealed to us and pointed out what sin is. But when we talk about gray areas, we have to be careful. For instance, there's the young ruler who, who comes to Jesus and Jesus looks into his heart and recognizes that all of his possessions have become his idol. And he says, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. He didn't call every other person to do that. He didn't. He gave different callings to different people. One person, he said, no, don't follow me. Go into the city and preach. Other people, he didn't say, lay down all the money you have. No, some people supplied his, his journeys and food and, and took care of him. He went places. He didn't tell every single person, sell everything you have. And so we see there a different conviction placed on one person and different convictions on others. And that's okay. It's okay. Because he alone can see into our hearts and see what things we have made an idol and what things we need to let go of. And so with gray areas, we have to be careful. Men, if you are, con so I'm just going to share some things here, and we're, we're to challenge our own hearts. We're to, uh, God, try my heart. See that my intentions are pure. As David prayed 3,000 years ago, God, try my heart. See that my intentions are pure. As I was going over this message, I was convicted about certain things. I thought, you know what? I probably shouldn't watch that show. Because as I examined it, I thought, I'm convicted by this. And so it is it's time to let the Holy Spirit convict us if he needs to convict us. Because what you're watching, what you're taking in, it will inevitably come out. Men, if you constantly watch movies that are sexually charged, it doesn't have to be pornography. If you're just watching movies where there's a lot of sexual content, it doesn't have to be nudity, just sexual content, things that are literally designed to arouse you. If you're watching those things, likewise, women can have the, the same issue. Uh, but if you're constantly watching those things, number one, your mind might start to go there more often. I'm not saying it will, but it might. It might start to go there more often. Number two, your speech will probably start to go there more often too. You'll begin to say sexually inappropriate things around other people, not just with your spouse. It will begin to come out most likely. I can't say that for certain. 
If you constantly watch things that normalize fornication and get you to, to understand why it's okay, uh, fornication is having sex before marriage. <laughs> I heard her whisper the question to her mom. <laughs> uh, number one, your thoughts might begin to see it as okay. Your thoughts might begin to see it as okay as you see it normalized over and over. And then eventually, some people will act it out because it started small. It started with allowing yourself to see it over and over and allowing it to be normalized. If you watch movies or listen to songs that have absurd amounts of swearing, sexual innuendo, or crude language, number one, you will hear those words more often in your brain. You will. Number two, you will probably let those words come out of your mouth on occasion. Probably will. Probably will. I, I can't say that for sure. Can't say for sure. I've, I've, I've watched things before that had a lot of swearing, and yet I, I haven't sworn in this life except mm, twice, I think. Uh, I just, it's not something that typically affects me. And we all have our, our vices. We all have those things that influence us, okay? It's like I talked about last week. I'm okay with a believer hanging out with the worst of sinners. The question is, are you influencing them or are they influencing you? And so the same question needs to be asked as you watch things. Is this thing influencing you in a negative way? If it is, then cut it off. Now hold up, you say. I, I can watch and listen to stuff and it doesn't start invading my thoughts or my mouth. I, I do suppose that is possible. I really do. Because we live in this world. We're not of this world, but we're in this world. And as Paul said last week, well, he said it a long time ago, but last week we looked at Paul saying that, um, what did he say? Oh, he said, I, I'm not telling you not to associate with the sexually moral of the world. So basically, he said, you can associate with them. That's fine. And so we know we can be in this world, not of this world. We can associate with the lowliest of sinners as long as you're shining as a light. And yet for another person... For an ex-drug addict, it's probably not the best idea to go hang out with drug addicts. But if the Holy Spirit has led you and that's your place of ministry, who, who am I to pass judgment and say you're absolutely wrong to do it? You might caution one another, right? But the world needs believers as friends. We're meant to be friends of sinners. Sometimes we have this concept of, oh, they'll get, they'll get their ickiness on me. Stop that. You get your ickiness on them. Your glory, your purity that you walk in, you stick it on them. You are the influence. You are the influencer. Does this make sense? And yet it's not wrong. We're not to look at someone and say, oh, you're just weaker because they say, you know what? I'm feeling convicted. I think I need to pull back from that group of people. That's fine. Don't pass judgment on them. Does this make sense to everybody? And so we might say, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me. It's not influencing me the wrong way. That might be possible, but it's still, we have this question. We still have this question. Is it acceptable to God to watch or listen to anything? Or does God draw a line somewhere? Let me tell you, if you draw a line somewhere, I'm sure God draws a line somewhere. If you draw a line somewhere, if even worldly people at times draw a line somewhere, 
God draws a line somewhere. Where's that line? I don't know. And that's okay. And that is why we trust one another to stand before God and say, let him examine your heart. Let him examine your heart. You would be amazed at the diversity in this room of God-fearing, Jesus-serving, non-compromising believers, and one of them is okay with watching movies that have quite a bit of swearing, and one of them says, I don't watch a single movie with one swear word in it. You'd be amazed how much diversity there is in this room. But we are the children of God. We're his beloved. And that's okay. I saw dad go on a journey with this where we, he used to not watch a, a, a single swear word. Like, if there was a swear word, we weren't watching that movie. I'm glad I was raised that way, absolutely. But I saw him slowly begin to change, and he realized how judgmental he was towards many other amazing believers who watched more things than he cared to watch. And he realized he had a judgmental heart against them, and he began to let go of that. doesn't mean your convictions, your personal convictions have to change, but we need to let go of the judgments towards one another. One side says, you need to loosen up. The other side says, you're so free, you're, you're not living in liberty, you're, you're living in sin. Okay, if it's not cut and clear sin in Scripture, don't place your convictions on someone else. We have to be careful. So a few questions we have to ask about what we watch, how we listen to things. With what you watch, how you talk, because how you talk, you hear it. When you talk, you're hearing it, okay? And, and this is very easy to see. When you begin, maybe you're a person who's more positive. What happens when you begin to complain a little bit? It just kind of opens the floodgates. I know it does for me. It's like, oh, I'm going to complain about this thing too. It just, it creates an atmosphere of complaining. But when you're speaking constant positive things, Wow, it lifts your spirit. It lifts your spirit. Uh, you know, last week on Sunday, I got to go to the river with Danielle. It was her birthday, and John, and, and yeah, Rachel was there, and, uh, and Hank and Melissa, you know, the Zubers were there. And I just, I was kind of thinking about it afterwards, after many hours just at the river hanging out. I thought, I didn't hear one single complaint about life, about job, about anything the entire time I was there. And I just thought, man, that feels good. That feels good. All right, here we go. <laughs> With what you watch, how you talk, what you listen to, is it influencing you in a negative way? Just challenge yourself right now. That's a question for myself. That's a question for yourself. What you watch, what you listen to, uh, how you talk, is it affecting you in a negative way? Is it feeding your sensual desires, desires of vengeance, desires of getting back at someone, desires of, you know, a lot of movies are designed to, to get that desire to come up inside of you. They're designed for it. Number two, with what you watch, what you listen to, how you talk, is it feeding into your fleshly desires? I just started saying that. Uh, or into your spiritual desires. First, is it wrong? to sit back and enjoy a movie. No. In the same sense that it's not wrong for you to enjoy music, to enjoy food, to enjoy jet skiing, to enjoy family gatherings. These are, these are gray areas. They might not look super spiritual, but God gave us this earth to enjoy. It's a good thing. And so movies, they are pieces of art. They truly are. 
I love seeing people act. Uh, I'm, I'm a big sap in movies, you know. If, some, if someone gives a good performance and there's a heart-wrenching story, I'm crying. Man, it just gets me. I'm, you know, finding Nemo, I cry three times by the end of that thing. I'm always having to explain to my kid why I'm crying. First time Enoch cried in a movie with me. I always sit there, I'm crying, watching these Disney movies. First time he cried with me was Homeward Bound. When Chance first came back, Enoch starts crying. I'm crying, Dad. I said, it's okay, son, I'm crying too. (laughs) Later, it was like an hour after the movie, he was like, do you think we could watch that again tomorrow? I was like, yeah, let's watch it again tomorrow. And then he's sitting there and he goes, I almost started crying thinking about it, Dad. (laughs) I said, me too, son. Let's not talk about it. It's a piece of art. Movies can be amazing. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying things that man creates in this life. Some things that man create can be clearly sinful, and we can point it out in Scripture. Absolutely. But some things, like food, food can be used for evil or used for good. You can be nourishing your body, or you know when you should have stopped. You know when you shouldn't have eaten that thing. And yet there's nothing wrong with enjoying a Snickers. I don't think you've sinned. The question is, are you doing it moderately? Are you? And and, okay, so these are, and these are areas, with food, that's areas where people can pass judgment both ways. You've seen it a lot. People can pass judgment. But I think we know in and of ourselves when we're doing wrong with food. I think we know for the most part. And so this is why I say individually, let the Holy Spirit convict you. Let him convict you, and then stick with that conviction. Does this make sense to everyone? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with enjoying music, food, rafting, movies. It's okay. <sighs> number three question here. So number one, is it influencing you in a negative way? Number two, are you feeding fleshly or spiritual desires? Number three, with that being said, do you really think your kids and preteens are strong enough to not be influenced by what they watch and listen to? Do you think that they are strong enough to not be influenced when they watch fornication? When they watched it being normalized, do you think they're strong enough to not be influenced by that? If you yourself have to set boundaries and you're a grown adult, how much more do you think kids need boundaries set by their parents? You know, uh, I don't want to expose my kids to the horrors of the Holocaust right now. That's, That's too gruesome. That's too graphic. But one day, I will take my kids to the Museum of Tolerance, and I will let them see pictures and images because I want them to know what took place. But there is a time and place where they are not ready to know the true horrors of war. I don't want war to be normalized for my kids where they see action movies where there's killing and it's just kind of, well, there's killing. And they go on with the story. I'm like, no, that's really serious. That's horrible. This movie makes it seem nice. It's not that bad. It's just fun. But it's no. True war is awful. And so there may come a day where you want your kid when they're old enough to see what war actually looks like. Or you might say, I don't want them to ever see that. Perfectly fine. Let the Lord 
convict you and lead you and guide you. But we have to ask ourselves, do we really think our kids will not be influenced by what they watch and listen to? And so put down boundaries accordingly. Take it from me. I do not know of a person in this room who is more sheltered than me in movies. <laughs> Maybe you're out there. I don't think there is. I don't know if I saw a movie with a swear word in it until I was like 14 or 15. I don't think I did. That's how sheltered they kept me. And I am so grateful for it. Never once have I heard any of my siblings say, oh, I was deprived. I was deprived growing up. I haven't heard that. We're all like, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. And there came a time when I was around 15 or so where dad said, Joel, you can watch what you want. I trust you. I trust you and the Holy Spirit to make that decision. And I allowed myself to watch things that had some more swearing in it, not a ton and stuff, or some more content that isn't agreeable to a little kid to see. And yet at times I'd be convicted and said, no, I'm not going to watch that one. My wife is adorable. When it comes to watching things, if somebody kisses in a movie or show, she turns her head. Every time she turns her head and gives me this look like, and, and I've asked her about it, and she says, that's, that's private. And I agree with her. If Carrie and Christy, who are some of my best friends in the world, were on the couch next to us and decided to start passionately making out, we would turn our heads. <laughs> you don't just sit and watch it. <laughs> and yet, for some reason, because it's on our TV, we think it's okay to sit and watch it. Does that make sense? It, it really doesn't. It really doesn't make sense. Why is there that common courtesy in real life to say, oh, that's an intimate situation. And yet, when you watch it, oh, yeah, okay, I'm watching this. Yeah, look at them kissing. Well, I don't think that's right. That's my personal conviction. You go with yours. <laughs> Sometimes, you need to knock it off, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to tell them to start making out next time they're sitting in front of me and Mallory? So sometimes when this subject is talked about, like creating boundaries for ourselves when it comes to entertainment, believers can often treat it like, oh, you're depriving me of something precious. Like, oh God, woe is me. If I have to give up this show, if I have to give up this movie, what? What's going to happen to you? Are you going to be ostracized from the community? Are, are you going to be able to not find any way to have fun anywhere else in this life? No. And yet, even if either of those were true, who cares? The question is, is God approving of this? That's what we care about. Is God approving of this? <laughs> and so we have to set boundaries and listen to the Holy Spirit, what he speaks to us. One time, a good friend of mine, I don't know, when did the movie 300 come out? I was probably like 19, I think, because I was, I was in an apartment. And uh, my friend kept bugging me. You got to watch this movie. And I said, no. I looked it up, and there's 
three scenes that are sexually explicit? And I said, no way. I'm not watching that. Sorry. I'm not going to. The, the violence doesn't bug me as much. It just doesn't. Uh, Over-the-top grotesque violence, I think I shared that at one point. Like, what was that, Hacksaw Ridge? Oh, man, they were just, they had it on at work. And I watched, like, a minute of the violence, and I felt sick the rest of the night. I was like, no, I can't handle that. Sorry. Uh, but uh, he kept bugging me. you got to watch this movie. You're missing out. I was like, I'm really not missing out. What, what's it going to affect in my life that I didn't watch 300? What's it going to affect? And finally, he, uh, he said, we're going to watch it. And every time the scene's coming up, I know when they're coming up, I'll have you turn away, and I'll mute it, and I'll fast forward it till it's over. Watch it with me. And I said, okay, I'll watch it with you. And that's what we did. Watched it with him. <laughs> Didn't see any of the sexual content because he knew when it was coming. But here's the thing. When you set a boundary and somebody brings up, oh, you got to watch this movie. Oh, you got you to listen to this. If you set a boundary and you, and you need to stick to it, don't bring Jesus into it. You don't want to watch that thing or listen to that thing. You see, and this is a totally different message, but your testimony is that you've been changed from within. Not that Jesus is holding you captive under some law. You yourself have been changed from within. And it is now your own conviction that I do not want to watch that thing. If they press you further on it, you can talk about your relationship with Jesus. But don't play the Jesus says we can't watch that thing card. Don't play that card. If he's convicted you, you've been changed from within. And that is a greater testimony than someone hearing, oh, Jesus holds this law over you. No, I literally don't want to watch that thing. I don't want to because he has changed me and that's my personal conviction and I hold to it. When you live under the law, you might want to write this one down. When you live under the law, you find the list of things you can't do and the list of things you must do. Did you get that? Danielle's the only person writing it down. When you live under the law, you find the list of things you can't do and the list of things you must do. When we live by his spirit, we find the things that bring life and we abhor the things that bring death. It's written on our hearts. It's written on our hearts. Law isn't a bad word. It's supposed to be written on your heart. That's why Paul says you're not under the law, but he says you uphold the law. Why? Because it's become easy. The law is written on your heart. It's a good thing. When we live by the Spirit, we love His laws, and we hate sin. We fall in love with His laws. We fall in love with the still voice of God that convicts us. We love it. That's why James was able to call God's law a law of liberty. What's it a law of liberty from? Anyone? Self. Self, yeah, sin. It's a law of liberty from sin. Saying you're not free to do whatever you want. You've been set free from sin. You've been set free from it. As Paul pointed out, if you've been set free from sin, how can you keep on sinning? You've been set free from it. That's where the liberty is from. When we truly believe God that sin brings death, then we want to follow his ways. That's a different message, right? I watch a certain show. I'm not even going to name the show. I find it hilarious. I recognize that in this show, there's a fair amount of bad language, 
fair amount. I wouldn't say it's over the top. Again, everybody has a different standard there, do they not? Yeah, everybody does, and that's okay. There is fornication in the show, uh, normalized, not openly showing it. It's implied that, oh, those two people hooked up, right? Okay, it's, it's not shown. And there's sexual innuendo at times. This is the truth. I'm just being honest with you guys. And this is true. I don't laugh at the bad language. I don't. I don't find myself supporting any of the fornicating relationships. Typically, it gets an eye roll. And, oh, why do they have to bring that in this show? Me and the wife. Oh, it's so sad. Like, we literally, I will, I will talk to people on screen sometimes. Like, no, you just got to forgive them. <laughs> or like, no, you'd be so much happier if you waited. No, it's, you, you need to stay with your wife. Like, I'll just get upset with them. Like, you stupid person. <laughs> I don't laugh at any of the sexual innuendo, innuendo, and that's because I don't find that stuff funny. And what I watch and listen to is something that I had to decide between me and God. Is this okay that I watch this? Is this okay? Or I had to ask myself, is it influencing me wrongly? But you have to honestly come before God and ask him. And be prepared. And here's the deal. If the answer is no, well, then stop watching it. Duh. If the answer is maybe, I'm not sure, stop watching it. Stop watching it. And why is that? Because Romans 14, 23, one day we will just exegete Romans 14, just the chapter 14, because it is vital for the body. And the whole thing is about two sides of people, and it's talking about gray areas. That's the whole passage. It's talking about gray areas, talking about things that are not essentials of the faith. They are gray areas. He talks about cultural things. He talks about eating a certain way. He talks about some of the Jewish customs but they're not essential to salvation. They're gray areas. And he basically says there's people who are saying, no, we're free from that. And they're casting judgments on those and saying, you're bound by it. And the others are saying, no, we want to live this way. And you guys are living in sin. And Paul's whole point is stop it both ways. Find your own conviction. And here's something he says here. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats. So he talks about certain things they eat. And he's saying, we've discovered it is not sinful for you to eat those things. Many of the, the, the laws that f- were f- just specifically for the nation of Israel have been done away with. Many of the moral laws still remain. They've been written on our hearts. But Paul was saying, no, you're not unclean, and yet if you doubt when you eat that thing, you're condemning yourself if you're doubting because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Whatever doesn't proceed from faith is sin. So if you can't in good conscience watch something or listen to something in faith, then it becomes sin for you. It's your own personal conviction. I was hanging out with some unbelievers uh, a month ago, good friends, love them, love to hang out with them. And uh, one of them said, oh, you got to listen to this song. This song expresses my heart. And he already knows that I don't care when he swears in front of me. I don't care. He can talk about whatever he wants. He knows I don't judge him, and I just love him. And so he really appreciates this, and he said, it's got a lot of F words. I said, if you want me to listen to it and hear your heart, go ahead, play it. And so we listened to it, and boy, the heart of that song was beautiful. Was there tons of explicitives, but the entire thing was, I know God's real. 
I know it. But I'm torn. I'm torn between this world. I'm torn between living in my flesh and I'm choosing not to follow God. And then it would go back into, but I know he's real. And it was clearly an unbeliever expressing their heart and expressing how they've walked away. And yeah, there was tons of explicitives. It didn't influence me. I didn't go out and start swearing. And the words weren't floating around in my head afterwards. You have to come to a decision. Would I ever let my son listen to that? No, of course not. Or someone who says, I'm just really uncomfortable listening to that. Well, then don't listen to it. That's okay. And we're not to pass judgment on one another over it. Is this making sense still? Oh boy, here we go. (laughs) When it comes to sexually explicit things. Listen, if violence was taking place in real life, you try to stop it. And that's why most movies, when violence is taking place, there's a purpose behind the violence. Now, if you're watching violence just because you really enjoy watching violence, you need to check your heart. I love the movie Taken. Love it. And I always am just like, Dad, you get your daughter back. Get her back. And that's the drive of the story to me. It is the justification of all the violence in the movie is get your daughter back. Do not let her be ravished by these evil men. Get her back. And, and I love it. Is it for everyone to watch? Probably not. See, I'm just being honest with you today, right? But the question is, do you enjoy violence for the sake of violence? Do you literally enjoy watching a head blow off? If you do, you need to question your heart. You need to look into that and say, that's probably an issue. That's probably not right. And so in movies, though, violence can have purpose at times, can have a message behind it. And I think it's okay at times. Again, different convictions for different people. This is a gray area. There is violence in real life. It's never told, uh, you know, there's, there's no biblical verse that says you can't see violence. And, and you're sinning if you see violence. So, no, there's a lot of violent verses, actually. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of violence that took place. And yet, with David, called a man after God's own heart, and he came up with the idea to make God a temple, and God said, I've never dwelt in a temple. I've never asked for it but it's on your heart and it really does bless me, David. I'm going to let you build that temple. And then he said, but you know what? Your son's going to build it because you're a man of violence. And it's, it's insinuated that you love violence. And he's saying, because of that, I'm not going to let you build it. But he was still a man after God's own heart. He was still, God still said, that's a great idea. It's awesome. And, and the, the, the Messiah is going to come through your kingship, through your line. Because how much he loved David. If swearing is taking place in real life, is it wrong for you to hear it? No, of course it's not wrong. It's wrong if you partake in it. We see um, Power of the Tongue Part 12, if you want to hear my message about why swearing is wrong when it comes out of your mouth. It's explicit in Scripture. Um, Now, okay, so swearing. I, I think you can see it in movies at times. Again, you need to be personally convicted for yourself. Um, because that does happen in real life, and, and you're allowed to hear it. You're not sinning by hearing swearing. When it comes 
to sexually explicit things. If someone in real life, and we already talked about this, is making out in front of you, you turn your head. Is that not the truth? If somebody is doing full-on sexually explicit things in a public place, you can call on them. You can call the cops on it, okay? This is, this is not something that we see as okay to watch and enjoy. And yet, for many men and women, they will watch sexually explicit things and enjoy it. Question is, why is it okay when it's on the TV in front of you? Whatever answer you come up with, oh, oh, I'm saying uh, when we avert our eyes in real life, why do you do that? And whatever answer you come up with, why is it suddenly now okay to watch it on the TV screen? Again, the Lord needs to convict us individually. I'm okay with a mildly passionate kiss. When it, I, I watch these olden time movies with my wife. Uh, I call them her little lovey-dovey movies, and they're like, I don't know, 17th century. And, and, and they, they court one another, and it's all leading up to that final scene where they share a passionate kiss. I, I watch it, and I'm like, that was a beautiful story. My wife still looks away. <laughs> uh <laughs> Scriptures that talk about this. Hebrews 13.4. We're finishing up here about five minutes. Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled. Another version says, be kept sacred. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. And so if it's not okay to see your friends begin to take one another's clothes off and kiss. Why is it now okay for you to watch it on a TV screen? Why is that okay? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just posing the question, that's all. I'm just posing the question. The, your job today is to listen to the Holy Spirit and you be convicted individually. And I guarantee you on this subject, there will be a wide range of different conviction levels for what you watch. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it. Some people won't be. Some of the very strict people won't be okay with it. And that's okay. Let's not pass judgment on them either. <laughs> Paul in 1 Corinthians six fifteen through 20 says this, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take a, the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? And so, again, how do you tie that into Jesus' words that if you even look at them, you've committed adultery in your heart? You've become one with them in your heart. For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. It's the one sin in Scripture that we're told, run away. All the other ones, like, stand fast. Stand against it. Take that thought captive. Sexual sins, it says, Get out, run, stay clear of it. Don't, don't try to be strong. Men, if a, if a woman tried to seduce you in a room, you don't try to be strong. You get out of the room. Get out of the room. You're a human man. Get out of the room.
The one we're told, get away from it, run. Then he says this, every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. You know, there's scriptures I've read for years and years and thought, what do you mean? What do you mean, God? Or what do you mean, Paul? What, what exactly are you saying here? So I'm studying this one afresh. I'm like, how, how is that possible? Because we know that other sins we do can affect us. They can. They defile us, right? They can't affect us. But he says they're committed outside your body, but he says this one is a sin against your own body. One of the ways I thought of that is, is that you're inviting someone else to sin against your body. You're inviting someone else to partake in a sin against your body. Even if it's in your mind, you're inviting that made-up person to partake in a sin against your body. And it is a sin against your own body. I'm sure we'll find out more of what that means another time, Paul. Uh, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. Good stuff. Finishing up here. Interestingly, with Adam and Eve, the first thing they notice when they receive the knowledge of good and evil is that they were naked. And even though they're a married couple, they covered themselves. Because there was a recognition, even with this married couple, that these are private areas. And they need to be kept private. And it's okay that they come together for a time. And yet, they said, this, this is private. And this needs to be kept private. They recognize this. And, and why the knowledge of good and evil brought that? In a perfect world, we would have all still been naked. And there is absolutely no way to sin. If we hadn't sinned yet, there could be no lustful intent. There could be no trying to take of something that doesn't belong to you. There could be no ogling over something, making someone uncomfortable. That wouldn't exist because sin wouldn't exist. But as soon as there was knowledge of good and evil, there is knowledge that Eve's beautiful body could be abused by Adam's eyes. There's instant knowledge that these are private areas and that it is a sacred thing when we come together and share. Does that make sense to everyone? If you find yourself swearing, try to stop listening to things with swearing. It will help. If you find yourself enjoying violence, stop watching things with violence. Stop listening to things with violence. Stop listening to music with swearing. Let go of those things because if it's causing you to sin, cut it off. Yeah? All right, so final. What if, four things. What if, number one, we stopped overindulging our flesh with entertainment? Just challenge yourself to stop overindulging the flesh with absurd amounts of entertainment. Facebook can be entertainment. Just, it doesn't have to be movies and television. Just multiple things that are entertainment that are just gray areas because sometimes we just overindulge a gray area into our life until spiritual things, we lose hunger for them because we've overindulged the fleshly pleasures. And there's nothing wrong with pleasures of this world that are gray areas. We already went over that. There's nothing wrong with that, but an overindulgence of it can get your heart off of Jesus. 
who is our perfect pleasure. Number two, what if we start watching things that are more wholesome or have some kind of meaning to you? Not just violence for violence's sake or comedy for comedy's sake, but has some sort of meaning to you where you can honestly talk to God about it. You guys might think I'm weird. I talk to God about shows when I'm watching shows. I talk to him about it. I try to bring him into everything. You say, well, Joel, you're overdoing it. I, I enjoy it when I'm doing something. Like I, I, I was in the office the other day praying, and I just thought, oh, thank you for this chair. I'm a, I'm a bum. Feels, it's nice. Thank you for the floor on my feet. It's wonderful. Thank you for the air conditioning. Like I just thank him for life as it's going on. I involve him in everything and bring thanks for everything good. Even if that's a piece of art in a movie that I'm watching, I thank him for, oh, wow, that actor nailed it. God, that, that really got to me. That touched my heart. Thanks for my emotions that get to be touched in that way. Number three, what if we start listening to things that actually encourage you? I did a message one time, I'll redo it again one day, but it's, it's, it's about how do you get spiritually hungry, and I give you like seven things, and one of them is, and I've heard people firsthand say, I followed all seven steps, and I'm desperate for God now. It stirred up hunger in me. Uh, but one of them is, start listening to things that encourage you. Start listening to things that, that lift you up. Start listening to worship songs. Listen, listen to more messages throughout the week. Someone that you find that really ministers to your spirit. Listen to spiritual things. Read the Bible more. Listen to the Bible more. Take in things that are going to feed your spirit. Number four, what if we talk in a way that would feed our spirit? Let go of the negativity. Let go of the complaining. Let go of the backstabbing. Let go of the, the hurting others with our words, even in the privacy of your home talking about them. You're hurting yourself when you talk that way. So let's, let's ask God to cleanse us of these things and ask God to convict us. Anybody experience any conviction today about certain things you're watching or listening to? That's it? Oh, boy. God will work on you. Don't worry. Okay, more hands went up. I see. Okay. <laughs> uh, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for this day. Thank you that, oh, oh God, worship was just glorious because you're so glorious. Uh, you're just so beautiful and so worthy of, of our praise. I'm just in love with you, and I can't get enough of you. Um, where were we going, Lord? Uh, oh, yeah, about this, Lord. Convict us. We want to become more like you. Uh, God, and it, for those who are convicted of, oh, I have been passing judgment on this, or that person is being too uptight, and that uptight person, well, no, they're not uptight. Uh, that, that person with those convictions is thinking, oh, I've been passing judgment on that person. I think it's too loose. I've been calling him a sinner. God, help us to let go of those things, to, to put them in your hands, God, and to not pass judgment over those things. And uh, just cleanse us, God, from everything. Lord, we've seen a lot of impure things in life. We really have. Cleanse our hearts. Cleanse our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. You're welcome. What can I say except you're welcome? <laughs>